freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, episode 75 already, Dan. You do that to make me feel older. I do. I do. And every time you tell me it makes you feel older, guess what? It hurts my back. When you say another episode, 75, 75. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get you a cane. All right. So, Gun Freedom Radio, we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I'm going to interrupt you right there. If you're going to get me a cane, it better be a candy cane. I'm not walking around with no cane. Well, it could be one of those um, gun. Shotgun? Yeah, gun canes. Got one already. I know you do. So I'll pull it out of the closet and dust it off for you. All right. Well, our next guest is Judd Bickle. Speaking of AZ Firearms, he is the team leader of AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And he recently trekked the annual SHOT Show, the biggest buying opportunity of the year. And we wanted to have him on and tell us what new awesomeness, that's the technical term, right? awesomeness is coming our way because basically it's it's it was a big shopping trip i mean be honest right it, it was and it <laughs> it uh it was interesting every time i go to shot show uh it just seems like there's not enough money in my wallet <laughs> no there's or dan's definitely wallet, I mean. yeah so. and in this case <laughs> dan's wallet for sure yeah so i mean the the market is definitely changing we're, we're definitely starting to see a shift in um, you know, what customers are looking for, I, I think a, a lot of that has to do with the, the political climate we're in now, a mm-hmm. more, more lax political climate. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think that, that buyers are going to be a little more discerning on what they're purchasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be looking for new innovations. And for quite a while, we were kind of void of innovation. Uh, everybody was just kind of copying one design and rehashing their old designs. And now we're starting to see the new stuff come out. Interesting. And yeah, so we this year there were there were two really that stood out in my mind at at uh, at Shot Show, and we've we've got them on the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the the Hudson H nine does, does does Dan know Hudson H yeah. nine? <laughs> what's that? So the Hudson H nine is uh, a, a very interesting pistol. It's uh, it's a nine millimeter double stack striker fired all steel handgun that uh, has kind of departed ways from that that Glock. Um, copy, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, most uh, striker-fired pistols, you know, they're everybody will disagree, but it's true. Glock is the one that came up with it. They're the one that brought it mainstream, and everybody's been chasing that ever since. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that they make the best one, but they were the ones that really brought it mainstream. Um, the H9 kind of feels like a 1911, and anybody that's ever shot a 1911 knows that it just feels right in your hands. It was... Uh, you know, it's it's over a century old, and it still just feels right. So the Hudson design um, feels like a 1911. Uh, it is striker-fired. It's all steel. There's no polymer or plastic. I mean, call a duck a duck. Polymer mm-hmm. is plastic. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all steel. 
Uh, it's very interesting. The, the bore axis uh, on the gun is very low to your hand, so you don't have a lot of snap recoil. The, the, the muzzle doesn't rise very much when you shoot it. So it's, it's, it's a unique looking gun as well. It has somewhat of a futuristic look to it, but it still has the complements of a 1911. So I'm really excited to see these come in because I think that uh, they are niche guns, um, but I think that's the way the industry is moving. They're moving to a niche gun market right now. So I don't know if it's okay to actually say this out loud, but I've had several people, people who surprised me that they said this, mention to me that, I'm afraid I'm going to get lynched right now, that they're kind of over the AR. Well, Is that okay it, to say out loud? Yeah, it's, it's okay to say. It's still America's rifle. But, yeah. uh, and and uh, you know, that's going to be the, the gun that I'll pick up and defend myself with if it's around. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, the run on, on ARs uh, has, has somewhat come to an end. Now, we still need to carry them. We still need to service all the parts and the optics. And we call it furniture, but that we, that's the stocks and the grips and all that stuff. We're still going to need to have all that. Mm-hmm. But um, those, you know, because of the political climate, people are, are not thinking that, oh, I'm not going to be able to get one, so I better go out and buy one. Mm-hmm. They're going to be thinking about what they want with their gun, what is it going to be able to do, and is it new and innovative, you know. So, uh, yeah, the AR, AR market, I think, is going to kind of get dry. Well, I think we need to ground Cheryl for saying that, though. <laughs> That's nothing you say. I mean, it's like you got that one kid you just kind of want to put away. No. We... That's we're gonna awful. keep our we're gonna keep our ARs and oh, we're yeah. gonna love them and hug them and take them out shooting every once in a while, but there are a lot of new products out there. Yeah. The thing that scares me about the Hudson, it's a brand new product, right? Mm-hmm. The car didn't do so well. Remember the Hudson car? Yeah, yeah. I hope that their name carries better than their car did. Yeah, car yeah. Did. I, and, and you know, <laughs> you're talking about a vehicle. I know. I'm just oh, okay. I'm just just joking about how Hudson didn't live very long. The car, right, life didn't right, right. Long. And the gun. I hope that they do. And it sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. The trigger pulls nicer. It feels like a 1911, which everybody wants to feel that type of gun. I think it's going to be a great gun, and I'm excited to go shoot it. When are they coming in? Well, uh, they should be shipping. They say the summer of this year. Um, so that means two two years from now. Right? Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> I, you know, I, I I told all of our um, distributors to make sure that we're on the list and don't skip us over, and and uh, they promised they wouldn't. But uh, um, like most companies out there, when their you know their manufacturing goals are are far from what's reality. Right. You know. You know, a gun that came in yesterday. I don't know the name of it, and I'm hoping I'm not putting you on the spot. Uh-huh. But we were at the shot show together, and we saw an M1 Garand. That it was a copy of M1 Grand that shot 22 long rifle, but it had the feel of the gun. Everything looked perfect, and I was really excited about it, and we just got one in yesterday, and I'm thinking for a guy that likes to shoot an M1 Grand, likes the feel of it, but doesn't want to spend 50 cents around to shoot it and doesn't want to get knocked all over the place, mm-hmm. they can enjoy this gun and bring back memories. It's, mm-hmm. it's an awesome gun. What do you think of that one? Yeah, uh, it's it's What I think is really unique about it is they didn't just try to what's make it, it look what's like... What's it called? Do we need Jeopardy music? Do you remember <laughs> what it's called? Nobody can yeah. remember. It, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I want to say it's Freedom Armory, but that's, no, you know what? that's not the case. We want you to come by the store and find yeah. out. Oh, or go on our website. I like it. Go it, on our website. Yeah, like it. Yeah. it will show up. Um, it's a very unique gun in the, in the fact that they tried to make it weigh the same and balance the same as, as an original grand, mm-hmm. um, which is unusual because most times when a company tries to make a, a rimfire copy, it still doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite look right either. Yeah, it, it doesn't. 
cheap, yeah. cheap look to it. Yeah, exactly. This gun looks, from a distance, I mean, you can't tell until mm-hmm. you get really close that something's amiss. Nice yeah. wood, nice everything. Yeah. It's a great-looking gun. Yeah, I, I think they're going to do really well. They have a, a an M1 uh, uh, Grand, which is what we have, and then they have the M14 coming out shortly, so we'll have copies yeah. of those. That's very cool. Now, yeah. uh, what seemed to be the buzz uh, of the people that I was chatting with is something that the company IWI has. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it, it's a high end, it's a bolt action mm-hmm. rifle. Uh, but but kind of going along with what we were saying is that, you know, it's been a while since there's been innovation. Mm-hmm. People have just kind of been channeling all their energy and money into um, ARs for so long because there's been this political fear uh, buying going on, uh, politically, you know, fused fear buying. And so now people can maybe look to, you know, maybe that dream gun, maybe sure. that higher end. And I don't know if we're going to be carrying any mm-hmm. of those, but um, tell us a little bit about what I'm talking about. Well, the, I, the IWI, and, I, and I, I can't tell you exactly what the model is, but IWI is, is, is Israeli defense. Um, it's not IDF, but I can't remember what IWI actually stands for. But uh, it's the Israelis. It's the, the same people that bought you the Galil. Um, they are building a bolt gun, a precision bolt gun, and, and almost all the manufacturers are starting to build these uh, uh, highly accurate uh, bolt-action rifles that are designed on a chassis system instead of wood, mm-hmm. instead of a wood stock. Right. We're talking about guns that can shoot over 1,000 yards. Now, that's exciting, Easily right? over 1,000 yeah. yards, yeah. So you can, you can shoot a, uh, a dime at over a thousand yards now that's that's shooting right yeah yeah and and you know you really enter in a different uh a a different type of person and like i said niche guns i think is where it's going to be at for the next few years and uh uh, precision shooting is gaining in popularity by leaps and bounds and i think that the innovation and technology that's coming about with those guns are are it just seems like every month somebody's coming out with something better than what was the month before right you know so it's it's really uh, it's an interesting market to keep up with. So what's IWI stand for, Cheryl? Israel Weapon Industries. Yeah, there check we go. the Google machine. They have some quick. really cool looking guns. They do. So Cheryl, you said Dream Gun when you were talking about Dream Gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one Dream Gun. And Mini Gun. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> but you, my Cheryl, you know what? We've been married 32 years almost. Almost. And Holy cow! All I want for my 32nd anniversary is a Mini Gun. How don't, come? Don't tell her how much they cost. It's a great investment. <laughs> I was going to say we probably have one somewhere, and he's going to go. Oh, did you buy this for me? It's, it's a been great idea. For... Yeah. So, uh, well, what else is going on, Judd? I mean, are we seeing? You know, we're we're about out of time, but mm-hmm. are we we're seeing some something change, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, are people are they slowing down on their gun buying? Are they sort of you know? gearing towards more of the the gun I've always wanted now instead of, you know, the the workhorse guns. I mean, what what do you think? What what were they saying at the gun show? What was the buzz? Well, I, I think that that the buzz was nobody was ready for a Trump victory. Yeah, they they got caught flat-footed, they, didn't we? They all did. of us did. I think we all did. Yeah. And um, you know, now that that uh is a reality, uh, it opens the door for other things like the Hearing Protection Act. So that was being talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely going to change the way uh, 
uh, if it passes, if it goes through. Now, you're a suppressor guy, yeah, so you are much. happy about that, yeah, right? Yeah, there's no reason to have those on the NFA restriction. There's, there's just no reason. And don't yeah. we have a whole bunch of suppressors coming in? We've got a lot. We've got, uh, we purchased the Silencer Co. large stocking dealer program. So we've got like 35 suppressors coming in. Another thing that we did that, or you did, that uh, we hadn't done before is what about the scopes? What are we going to be doing with scopes? We're, we're signed up uh, uh, to become a Vortex dealer. Now, Vortex is a, is a very uh, unique company in the fact that they do not sell through distributors. They only sell directly to uh, independent shops or uh, uh, purchasing groups. Mm -hmm. So uh, Vortex is, uh, uh, I've had a couple of their products. They make something pretty much for everybody. If you're just going to uh, need a scope to put on your hunting rifle and use it once or twice a year, they've got a scope for it. Um, they also have scopes for those dream rifles. Very so everything cool. in between, and we're going to be getting pretty much their entire line. And they have a lifetime warranty, unconditional? It's unconditional and transferable. So if I sell the gun to you or it's got their scope on it, guess what? You have that warranty. They don't wow. care what happened to it. If you run it over with your truck, <laughs> send it in. They'll send you a new one. How refreshing to have a manufacturer that will actually service or replace Something yeah. that they made. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of companies <laughs> out there that need to listen to that. Yeah. 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 We had a personal experience that we're not going to share on the air right now, <laughs> but we, um, we do love companies that have excellent customer service. So we do have to wrap up, but you know, after I, after I kind of dogged out the, the AR a little bit, I do want to say that the people that were kind of like, I'm kind of over searching for that next gun they're still super jazzed about all of the accessories, and, and mm -hmm. you've just brought in a ton of cool accessories for them at AZ Firearms. So um, there's always, you know, a little bling to add here and there. Oh, right? sure, sure. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for coming in. Judd Bickle, team leader at azfirearms.com. Thanks for having me. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, when we come back, we are going to be chatting with Dr. John R. Lott. Now, this guy, he is the guru, has written books called More Guns, Less Crime, and his most recent one, The War on Guns, Arming Yourself, against gun control lies. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com.
Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Thanks for sticking around. We are glad you are here with us today on Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is the matter of facts. And our next guest wants to help ensure that facts are readily available to us to help make sense of the emotional mess that has become the gun rights debate. Dr. Lott is the nation's preeminent expert on gun issues and the author of a number of books, including More Guns, Less Crime, and his latest, The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. John's work gives those of us who are protecting our Second Amendment rights a solid foundation of sound research. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lott. Uh, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? We're doing great. Um, now, you recently wrote, you write all the time, but there was a couple that just really jumped out at me, and I wanted to have you on and, and dive into them. And the first one you had in National Review, and it was titled, Psychiatrists Can't Predict Mass Shootings. So in the meantime, basically, meanwhile, let the public defend itself. So talk to us about what you wrote in that article. Right. Well, um, if you look at mass public shooting uh, during the Obama administration, about uh, 60% of the people who committed those types of attacks were actually seeing uh, mental health care professionals uh, before they, they engaged in their attack. And yet in that one single case, did uh, those mental health care professionals identify those individuals as either a danger to themselves or others? Mm. It's not a crystal ball. And it's a problem that's well-recognized by psychiatrists themselves. Uh, There's a whole academic literature out there about their inability to go and uh, identify these individuals before the attacks occur. So... And in part, it's pretty understandable. I mean, these are rare attacks. Um, these, uh, you know, you're talking about well less than one out of every 150,000 uh, schizophrenics, for example, uh, are engaged in murders of anything like this. And, um, you know, it's just, there's such rare events. In fact, if anything, people with mental illness 
are less violent than the general population, and they're also more likely to be victims of violent crime than the general population. Mm. You know, you think about that. So, you know, when everybody wants to just throw more money at things um, and say, well, we just, you know, we need more money for the mental health uh, care of these people, you know, you're basically telling us that's, you know, it's not a fail-safe. There is no magic pill. There's no magic wand or magic spell that is going to just automatically make us 100% safe 100% of the time. Right. Well, I mean, not only is there no magic pill, I mean, I I think it distracts us from those types of things that may actually make a difference and help. Um, You know, it'd be nice if you could go and, screen these individuals before they engage in these types of attacks. But uh, if you can't, and uh, instead you get distracted uh, from doing things that can work, you can make situations work. And do you have suggestions? Do you have ideas about where should we be focusing? I mean, one of the things we've talked about before is trying to get rid of these gun-free zones. Yes. I mean, I think that's not really sure how many times I can repeat that, but... (laughs) The you know we keep seeing these attacks over and over again in those relatively small areas where general citizens aren't allowed to be able to go and protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So you know, and that that sounds counterintuitive to people that are either on the fringes of the debate or definitely on the rights restricting side of the debate to say you know how can like your book's title, How Can More Guns Equal Less Crime? And I think it just, for for us, it just makes sense. You know, if you don't know exactly who might deter you, if you're the bad guy, if, you know, you got a room full of 100 people and any number of them could be able to deter you, I I think you're not going to act as, as rashly or quickly as you would... Uh, otherwise, and that is one of the points that I've heard you make also, is that if these people are supposedly so out of their minds, right, the ones that do commit these, these um, you know, mass killings, if they're so out of their minds, how is it that they are able to be rational enough that they choose an area that is a gun-free zone? Well, I'm, I guess I'd phrase a little bit differently. Look, there's these guys may be nutty in, in some important ways, but that doesn't mean they're stupid. They have certain bizarre goals that they want to try to go and achieve, and they want to try to go and get publicity for the crimes that they commit. Uh, they want to try to kill as many people as possible, or wound as many people as possible. And they know the more people they can kill uh, or wound, the more publicity that they're going to be able to get. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's... Oh, you know, bizarre type of goal for somebody to have. But they also realize that they can be more likely to kill more people if there's nobody there to stop them. Mm-hmm. And so time after time, we see these killers searching out those places where they know that victims can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have lots of cases in the war on guns. I go through a number of such cases, uh, you know, just Last year, you had a case uh, in Detroit. A father was concerned about his son's involvement with ISIS. They told the FBI about it. The FBI put a tap on his phone. 
and they recorded a chilling conversation where this young man was explaining how he was planning on attacking one of uh, the largest churches in the Detroit area. Um, and the reason why he gave was because that church banned anybody having a permanent concealed handgun there. And he explained how that would make it easier for him to go and kill people without having to worry about somebody being there who might stop. Now, fortunately, because his phone was tapped, the FBI was able to catch him, and uh, he was arrested before he actually went through with his plan. Mm. But, uh, you know, you can't depend upon uh, whether it's psychiatric treatment or whether it's, you know, tapping people's phones and having their fathers turn them in Mm. to go and get these people all the time. So, um, but, uh, you know, there are many other cases which are similar. The point is, is that uh, there's a lot of different types of evidence, not just the spoken statements or written statements by these killers that they try to avoid places where people have guns. And, you know, at some point, people just have to realize that if these attacks were random in these states like Arizona, for example, where you are, where, uh, you know, you can carry your guns virtually any place, mm-hmm. uh, but yet the attacks, to the extent that they occur, will occur in those areas where people can't defend themselves. Exactly. Well, and then, uh, you know, with the article kind of zeroing in on, you know, how psychiatrists are not mind readers, you know, they're they're definitely professionals at what they do, but um, that there are fallacies of, of being able to identify everybody that might uh, uh, act on, uh, you know, or act out of their, their illness, that you, you make a point in your article, from 2009 through 15, mentally ill individuals were responsible for 15 out of 25 mass public shootings. If all 15 individuals had schizophrenia, which is clearly not the case, This comes to one mass public shooting for every 100,000 people with schizophrenia. To stop one person who is going to do something terrible, you would have to confine thousands of people who seem dangerous. Now, you know, when we look at it, we break it down into those kind of numbers. I mean, that is that is compelling. Right. Well, I mean, they to try to find such an incredibly rare individual. Is very difficult, and psychiatrists and psychologists understand that. And that's probably the major reason why they're not very good at identifying these individuals, because they are so incredibly rare. But, you know, if we can't identify these individuals, uh, what option do we have? And allowing people to be able to go and protect themselves, you know, recognizing how these killers um try to pick places where they don't believe people can protect themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just seems like the obvious thing to go and talk about. Absolutely. Well, we've got a break for commercial real quick, but you're going to hold over with us. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Well, stick around because we have much more with Dr. John R. Lott. Now, he's the founder of the Crime Prevention Research Center and the author of More Guns, Less Crime. Stick around. 
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we've been talking today with Dr. John R. Lott. He is the founder of the CPRC, the Crime Prevention Research Center, and the author of such books as More Guns, Less Crime, and The War on Guns. Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. John, thank you for holding over the commercial. So we're talking about some articles that you've written. And uh, one of them is, it's titled right out there. I mean, you just say it. Gun control advocates, what they really want is just to to ban guns. So how do you you back that up for somebody that, that says, no, no, no. It's for the children, right? It's just, we're just, uh, we don't want to get rid of all guns. We're just trying to have some common sense laws. How, what do you say to them? Uh, I'm trying to remember the article exactly, but the, uh, it's been a month or so since I wrote that. Well, you know, um, as I remember, there few things there, like uh, the Social Security regulations that uh, the House, just voted on last week to overturn in the mm-hmm. Senate. We'll probably vote this week. You have, uh, at the end of the Obama administration, they passed a rule that said that if someone uh, is getting, having somebody else handle their finances, then the government would uh, treat those people as, as mentally incompetent. And, you know, it just seems like there's a huge gap between saying that somebody needs help on their finances and saying that they're not competent to be able to defend themselves. 
Yeah, the logic. Uh, my train. mom, for example, is in her 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hates using computers. She's given my sister uh, power of attorney uh, to go and handle that. Uh, but yet, you know, just because she hates using computers doesn't mean that she's not competent to be able to go and defend herself if that were to be necessary. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you have um, uh, other types of examples. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles rookie quarterback uh, just recently uh, gave uh, shotguns to uh, his offensive line uh, as a Christmas present. And, awesome. And gun control advocates were upset, saying that that wasn't responsible for him to do that. You know, if they mean what they say, that they just, uh, you know, they support gun ownership, uh, they just want to have reasonable regulations. Why should they get upset one way or the other about uh, one football player giving others uh, guns as a gift? Why should that be something that they should care about one way or the other? But I suppose um, the biggest example that I would have of this is um, back, uh, well, I mean, in multiple cases, but in 2013, for example, when Colorado was passing its uh, regulations on uh, the private transfers of firearms, I was contacted by state legislators there asking me if um, I could had any suggestions on any type of, uh, of um, uh, amendments that they should put up on the bill. And my suggestion was to exempt people uh, below the poverty level from having to pay the new state tax on transferring guns. Hmm. Um, but with the exception of two pro-gun Democrats in the state house, all the other Democrats in the state house voted against exempting people below the poverty level from having to pay the new state tax. I mean, you really have to ask yourself, how many taxes would Democrats vote and fight, uh, you know, vote for on uh, people below the poverty level? How many would they fight against exempting people below the poverty level from having to pay? And, uh, you know, you know the obvious effect of that is to make it so that some uh, poor people, particularly minorities, are going to be unable to uh, defend themselves. Absolutely. What would be, you know, what possible justification could you have for that type of restriction? John, Um, John, this is Dan. Welcome to the show. You know, I've been to a couple of your debates that you've had, and I've been on some other people that's done some really good debates also. And... Every time, they just take the sense away from the other side because the other side's not really admitting what they want to do. They want to take our guns away, period. And so unless you're going to debate that subject, they're never going to win a debate because they don't know how to argue a debate. Without lying. Without lying. Because that's what we see. Right. Well, um, Look, you have, uh, when the Supreme Court decisions came up about uh, whether Washington, D.C., and Chicago could completely ban guns uh, or all handguns, uh, you had groups like the Brady Campaign and other gun control groups, uh, you know, try to help uh, keep those bans in effect. Mm -hmm. You know, they claim, well, this has nothing to do with whether they support gun bans. They just wanted to have local options. But... They wanted to let local par- local governments be able to go and ban guns. I don't know how you get around that. Mm. So, 
you know, um, I mean, I guess at this point, uh, you know, I've convinced myself that they really do want to ban guns. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I just see it all the time in my dealings with them. Maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not banning guns as much as it is controlling our citizens. And one way to control well, want, them. Right. Well, they, they surely want a large number of law-abiding citizens not to be able to own guns. Mm-hmm. Now, whether somebody like Michael Bloomberg thinks that it's okay for his bodyguards to have guns, I assume he would still want to mm. have them be able to have guns. But uh, for the vast majority of the population, it's pretty clear that uh, they don't believe that those individuals should be able to go and protect themselves. You know, it's fine for Michael Bloomberg or Rosie O'Donnell or other people to realize that they're important and that they benefit from having guns for protection. But, you know, and I'm glad that they have protection. But the thing is, the people who are most likely to have their lives in danger aren't those individuals. They're the people who live in high-crime urban areas, minorities who live in those areas in particular, particularly black. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, we've seen how hard it is to try to keep drug gangs from getting a hold of illegal drugs to sell. Yeah. Well, those, those gangs are responsible for a very large portion of murders in those areas. And, um, uh, you know, you're going to be no more successful trying to get them uh, from not having guns than you're going to ha- be to stop them from having illegal drugs. We know how much effort the federal government and governments general in the United States and around the world have spent mm-hmm. on trying to uh, keep these gangs from getting illegal drugs to sell. But, you know, the easiest way to think about this is I could click, if I could click my finger mm-hmm. and cause all illegal drugs to disappear from the United States and all guns, mm-hmm. how long do you think it would be before these drug gangs start bringing illegal drugs back into the United States? Yeah. You know, That's it would be what, you know, minutes, maybe 15 minutes or yeah. half hour in some yeah, places. for sure. Well, how long do you think it would be before they start bringing in guns again? I mean, or manufacturing them. I mean, something that's made out of, you know, uh, metal and plastic can be manufactured. So it's, you know, you don't even have to find already made things. So I want to get, before we run out of time, to one of the other articles that you wrote called Chicago's Bloody Mess. And it ties in with all this that we're talking about, you know, with the the, the illegal guns, the gangs, the illegal, illegal drugs. And you kind of cite three P's as to correlations in the rise in crime in Chicago. And you're a numbers guy. You're an economist, right? And so you don't you don't have a preconceived notion and then, you know, make the numbers fit. You say, let's follow what the data tells us. And so uh, as you're seeing this rise in crime in Chicago, you you kind of narrow in on the three P's are policing, politics, and paperwork. So you you said you've seen a, a change in how the police have been interacting. Talk to us a little bit about that. Right. Well, I mean, there are lots of rules. I just gave a few examples. I mean, the big thing in Chicago, uh, shortly after uh, Mayor Daley became mayor, uh, he became mayor in 89, the last the earliest numbers I have are for 91, uh, the rate that uh, murders are solved through arrest. 
And in 1991, it was uh, 67% of murders were solved through arrest. By the time Daly left uh, the mayorship two decades later in 2011, uh, the rate was down to 30%. Only 30% of murders were solved through arrest. Uh, under Rahm Emanuel, that's continued to fall. This last year, it was down to 20%. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's not too surprising to me that if you're only uh, arresting 20% of murderers, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot more crime than if you're able to go and arrest 67% of them. Mm -hmm. uh, nationwide, it's a little bit over 61%, but that's been that's been very constant over time. Chicago's drop has been very unusual relative to the rest of the country. And, um, uh, you know, and it has a feedback effect. You have a lot of gang murders going on there. And the, the problem is, is that uh, people are reticent to come forward and be witnesses against gang members. And so when you're only solving 20%, they have good reason to be worried because they may go and testify, and then uh, these guys are just going to be back out, you know, m never even arrested. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, they have a real danger there. And, uh, um, you know, but the examples I gave were just other things that have happened. They, when Emmanuel became mayor, I mean, these are just over since 2011 when he became mayor. Uh, you have a situation where uh, uh, he closed down the detective bureaus in the high-crime areas of the city. Uh, the detectives still solved crimes there, but they were based in areas that were way away from those areas. And it takes time to get there. It makes it harder mm. to go and solve those types of crimes. Um, he did things like close down a lot of the gang units. And... Um, uh, Last year, he made an agreement with the ACLU uh, to require that police officers, every time they stop and talk to somebody, uh, have to fill out essentially two legal pages of uh, small type information on exactly what happened with the person that they stopped and talked to. That can take an hour to fill out. So mm -hmm. you go and uh, talk to a few people. Uh, and then you, the rest of your day is pretty much going to be filled out with the paperwork. Wow. So, you know, you're taking officers off the street. You're making them less efficient. Uh, you're, move, you're moving police resources from high crime areas to low crime areas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's pretty clear that if you want to go and cut crime, you have to move police to where the crimes are. And, you know, there are a lot of political decisions there. I'm sure Rahm Emanuel's not a stupid guy, but if you go and, uh, you know, he he saw that kind of where the political support was. Right. And so he moved, he made promises to move police resources to places that he was going to get votes from. John, how's that working for him? <laughs> Anybody want to ask him that question? Ah. Uh. Not well, clearly. All right. Well, we have to run, but thank you so much for, for spending some time with us today. We've been talking with Dr. John R. Lott, the founder of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And tell folks how they can follow your work and, and find your books, John. Sure. Well, um, our website is crimeresearch.org. And, uh, you know, 
the war on guns, uh, they can get it most places. Uh, but, you know, Amazon or, or barnesandnoble.com are places where they probably can get it the cheapest. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Dr. John R. Lott. Bye-bye. Okay, stick around because we still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Um. Hi, I'm Bob Main. Now that you have your concealed carry license, I think you and I probably both know that that class probably wasn't really training. Have you ever thought about getting some training beyond your concealed carry license? Well, that's why Ben Branham and I decided to call our classes Beyond Concealed Carry. We're going to teach you how to move and shoot, how to shoot one-handed, even how to shoot and make hits without the use of your sights. And if that's something for you and you think you'd like to take advantage of that, as a Self-Defense Radio Network listener, you can get nice discounts on the classes and the subsequent video programs for reinforcement. All you have to do is visit the listener discount page at selfdefenseradio.net and put in the password SDRN, all lowercase. Again, the listener discount page and all lowercase SDRN. Hope to see you at a class soon. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And one of these days we've got to, you know, film these shows or somehow let you know what goes on in between segments because I just found out there's something in the world called red eye gravy. Blade just told me. And coffee grounds and bacon and you mix it in. Tell, 
grounds. What yeah, is it? Yeah, it's coffee grounds is what it is. It's coffee mixed up with bacon grease, basically, that you cook or fry up in a frying pan. So wrong. It's got to be right. Oh, exactly. I want this. Exactly. It's an acquired taste. First time you're like, what? Because it's so different. And then you got to have it. Then you're hooked on it. And you, you pour it on grits. Oh, well, a person yes. like Cheryl that injects her coffee in yes. her bloodstream, I think she'll be <laughs> fine with that. Me, myself, you can put that back in the refrigerator. <laughs> All right. Well, I learned something new, and I had to share it with all of you, and I've got to hunt it down somewhere here in Arizona and have me some of that. Okay. So You said it right. you got to have me some of that. got to have me some. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm fitting to to have (laughs) some of that. fitting to have some of that. Yeah, not having it at their gravy, Cheryl. Oh, my goodness. That there. There's another good one. (laughs) Perfect. This is awesome. All right. Our responsibly armed citizen. Responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow, we never hear these stories on network news. So we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Fight's a never-ending <laughs> battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Our responsibly armed citizen report. This actually is is one of the saddest stories we've ever covered because the part played by danger is being performed on this day by a 17-year-old boy, really. And his youth is pronounced by the pitiful statement that he made after he was stopped by being shot. He said in a tone of someone who's just lost in the world, They're supposed to just hand over the money. He could have lost his life, and he could have been the reason someone else lost their life because he had this faulty belief that they're just supposed to hand over the money. So many people who play the part of danger are operating under a flawed and faulty set of rules that someone taught them, and the most, you know, they think that I am the most important person in the world. And if I can take it from you, you have to give it to me. The gun in my hand and the knife I wave at you and my fists will ensure that you follow my rules. These are faulty versions of the way the world works. I guess it does work that way, but it shouldn't. Those of us who carry firearms do so not because we ever want to have to use them to defend our lives, but because danger may one day force our hands. Thankfully, this boy danger suffered only an arm wound, but it could have been so much worse for him and others. And whether danger is an evil person bent on destroying lives or someone like this small sad boy, who thought his gun allowed him to live by selfish rules, we must be ready as responsibly armed citizens to defend and protect ourselves against their misguided actions. 10.30 a.m. January 12, 2017, Phoenix, Arizona. A 17-year-old is recovering from a gunshot wound after reportedly committing two armed robberies. Court records show that a male teen robbed one store and tried to rob another when he was confronted by an armed clerk who shot him in the arm. Police report that on December 28th, the 17-year-old suspect entered a QT store near 35th Avenue and Baseline Road with a handgun and demanded money, along with Swisher Sweet Cigars and a pack of Marlboro Reds. The clerk reported to police that the suspect fired three shots from what sounded like a pellet gun into the ceiling as he left. 
Other witnesses told police that he left the store on a cruiser bicycle with white wall tires. Police say two days later the suspect struck again, this time at a Chevron store near 51st and Southern Avenues. This time he demanded money from the cash registers, and when he motioned toward them with a gun, a store clerk, pull, store clerk pulled his gun and fired at the suspect. The suspect ran and tried to get on his bike, but realized his arm didn't work. He went to a nearby restaurant to ask for help. Police contacted him there, and the suspect was taken to the hospital for a gunshot wound to his arm. It was there, police say, that he admitted to the robberies. He allegedly told police that he targeted gas stations because they are supposed to just hand over the money and not try to stop anyone. Hmm. Wow. So what they're doing is the media and the politicians are trying to teach people that, hey, you can't defend yourself, so you can go into these shops and steal. That's sad. Did you get to finish that, Blade, or did I, did I interrupt? He'd just been charged with armed robbery and attempted armed robbery is mm, the rest of so it. So he was charged. And um, So it's just tragic to me because it just seems like, you know, he was just in a state of shock that he got shot at after he comes in and waves a gun around. It's like that is how the world works. Right, but he was taught through, oh, we're not allowed to carry a gun in this mm-hmm. gas station. We're not allowed to. If you work for us, you deliver pizza, you can't carry a gun. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're taught. There's a, a pawn is- shop that was robbed five or six times just recently in Phoenix because they do not they have a policy on their door. The employees don't carry guns. I mean, what's and so it keeps getting robbed. I mean, you would think that maybe I would carry a gun and might stop this. So, Dan, you like to go fishing, right? If you have a particular place where you fish that you always have success, do you think maybe you're inclined to just keep going back to that same fishing hole? Yep. Okay, this is how crime escalates in any area. It's because they the, the criminals are successful. And so they keep coming back and keep coming back, and then they tell their friends or their 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 buddies find out, and now we've got more people that are doing bad behavior in these areas. And so... Crime can be fought the exact same way, one unsuccessful attempt at a time. All right. I don't want to take up your time. You have something important to talk about on Dan's commentary. Maybe something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. This is important news that came around This last couple days, breaking news from the Associated Press. House votes to roll back Obama rule on background checks for gun ownership. The Hill, House strikes down Obama-era regulation that block gun sales to mentally ill. CNN, House votes to repeal Obama-era regulation concerning the sale of guns to people with several severe mental illness. Uh, What? And then NPR. House votes to overturn Obama rule restricting gun sales to mentally ill. Now, wait a minute. The CNN, NPR. All of them. And these are not the supposed to be the uh, false news. Yeah, these reports. are supposed to be the ones you can trust. Well, you The know good what? compasses, right? They're kind of correct. They're kind of off. All right. Fill the House in. did indeed reverse an Obama-era rule. I like the sound of that. Obama-era. Gone <laughs> now, right? That means it's gone. Yesterday afternoon, but the rule was neither 
gun buyers must obtain background checks, nor the mentally ill are barred from buying guns. Basically what happened, Obama had this rule that says if you're on Social Security mm-hmm. and you cannot handle your own finances. John Lott was talking right? about that. You can't handle With your own finances. With his own mom right? saying she then doesn't like computers, so she has the daughter do it. You can't have guns. And so that makes her incompetent to right. have a gun. So let's, let's use this scenario. That's let's what say, Obama was let's saying. Let's say you're 65 years old, you're collecting Social Security, your spouse dies. Now your spouse was the one that handled the bill. Okay. So you go to your kid and say, look. Or someone else. And I've got a Maybe lot of money, let's somebody. say. i got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I want to find out what my kid's going to do with my money when I'm gone. So I'm going to let them manage my money. Okay. That and sounds plus, smart. since my wife did it and I can't do it, I'm going to put my kid in charge. Mm-hmm. So, my guns go away. Wow. That's what that law, that's all that law was. And so they're saying that that is what got repealed. That is what got repealed. So now, John Lott's 80-year-old mom can have, a can gun. have the daughter do her finances. And not be threatened and by not, not be threatened. And, and so what did CNN say? That it was about severely mentally ill people being handed firearms, something yes, like that? yes. And um, you've lost it in your shuffle of papers there, didn't you? Yeah. CNN says that um, House votes to repeal Obama era regulation concerning the sale of guns to people with severe, severe mental illness. Now, let's reverse it. Maybe CNN, The Hill, Associated Press, maybe they have the severe mental illness. Before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to Lyman. They're the ones, the company that makes a lot of reloading items. I, a year and a half ago, I bought a ultrasonic cleaner, a pretty expensive cleaner to clean firearms. I had it sitting in the box for almost a year, okay? Finally, I get out of the box and I use it maybe five times and the heater went out. Called Lyman Up. Now, this is a, something that weighs about 90 pounds and it's coming from back east. They wanted me to send mine back. I said I can't do that because shipping and all that. They sent me a brand new unit yesterday and said, when you take the new one out, put the old one in the box and ship it back to us, we'll pay for shipping. I said, no, I'll pay shipping. That is the kind of company you want to deal with, folks. (laughs) Nice. Thanks, James. Thank you very much. And thank you to Lyman Products. That's fantastic. All right. We got to wrap up. Thank you so much to Blade, our tech crew. You are our entire tech crew. Man, you just keep everything spinning over there. Keep us on time. He keeps it technical. Keeps it technical. Uh, Thank you to our listeners. Y'all are awesome. Thank you to all of our amazing guests. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them. All of them, Dan. Oh, come on. Even the ones you don't like, especially okay. the ones you don't like. Well, I like. want to give a thanks to you because you work all week, every week on this show. And the results show how good a job you're doing. You're doing great. Wow. We well, both right. want to thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much. Goodness. You guys are just trying to get out of giving me uh, uh, Valentine's gifts. We're going to give no, thank you. That's a huge compliment. And I, uh, right back at you. I, I appreciate that very much. Be uh, good to each other. Uh, I'm all choked up now. <laughs>
have a great week and God bless. Thank you. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since. Evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. <laughs>